This is a CJSR podcast. Volunteer powered. Listener supported. Campus and community. Radio. Podcast. Podcast. Radio. Radio and, and podcast. <laughs> when we know where our food comes from, when we know the effort that was put into it, we value it more and I think we're less lucky to throw it out. Hi, my name is Melania Antoshko and you're listening to That's Food. That's Food is a podcast from CGSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station, handmade with love by University of Alberta students. Telling the backstory to food in Edmonton one meal at a time. What is food waste and why should I care about it? Food waste or food loss is essentially food that is not eaten. When food waste ends up in the landfill, it decomposes and releases methane emissions, which are 28 times more potent than carbon dioxide. Food waste also exhausts our natural resources. However, as we tackle minimizing excess food waste, we need to be still mindful about food insecurity. Food is a basic human need essential to nutrition, health, social well-being, and to life itself. So how can we minimize our food waste and limit food insecurity? I wanted to dive deeper into these topics and also answer my questions. So in today's episode, I'm speaking to Garnett Forge, Leftovers Edmonton City Coordinator. The Leftovers Foundation is one of Western Canada's largest food rescue charities with a dual mission of reducing food waste and increasing food access through community mobilization. We spoke about what food waste is, how to minimize your own personal food waste, and the relationship between food redirection organizations and long-term solutions to food insecurity. We also listened to a couple clips from the Wasted Leftover webinar series, a series hosted by Garnett, highlighting the changemakers in food waste in Edmonton. The first episode was with Tamison Benz Knight from Edmonton's Food Wing, and the link to the full webinar is in the description. Now, let's get into this episode. So what is food waste? What is food waste? So food waste is complicated. There's different ways that it's classified, and I'm not an expert in the different classifications of it because on a large scale, uh, when you're when they're doing food waste analysis over the entire food chain, they'll call it food loss and waste. And that includes anything from anything that is potentially edible from the time it's grown to the time that it is consumed. And there's a lot of different steps in there with our current model of food distribution. And each one of those has different inefficiencies and has some loss or some waste in there. I believe that the food loss part is before it gets to the retail and then the food waste part is after it leaves retail and uh, so more on the consumer side. So could you kind of go over and tell the listeners why food waste is a problem? For me, a lot of the, the challenge I have with it is the environmental impact of food. On one hand, there is the greenhouse gas emissions released as the food rots and decomposes in a landfill because often we're, we're working on better solutions so it's composted and uh and put to better use but often it ends up just in the landfill and that um, emits a lot of emissions so that's a significant challenge another environmental challenge is the amount of land that we use for food i believe it's like one third of all our land use is used for agriculture Editing Melania here, it's actually 50% of our habitable land that's used for agriculture, according to research published in OurWorldInData.org. 
And when you're looking at that larger scale, that is a huge amount of land that could otherwise be parks or preserved land or habitat for different ecosystems. So those are the, the primary two for me. Um, another one that matters, I think on a more like personal level is just like food has inherent, inherent value. And there's these farmers who, you know, are really underpaid and have a rough go of it these days. And they've put their personal time and energy into the food. And it's, I feel disrespectful to a farmer to, to throw out the food as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you grew up on a farm. Do you want to kind of go into that and how that's impacted how you think about food? Yeah, absolutely. I, I grew up on a small farm just outside of Edmonton and it's uh, more than a hobby farm and not a large scale farm either. So there was a variety of animals and a variety of different gardening uh, levels from uh, attempted fruit trees to, uh, you know, the traditional garden and the indoor garden space. And it really got me in touch with where food comes from. And I think that's where that, that value in the food comes from. And when you do put your personal investment into the food, you're much less likely to throw it out. And to me, somebody has put that personal investment into the food. That's how, like, when we know where our food comes from, when we know the effort that was put into it, we value it more and I think we're less likely to throw it out. And that's a large part of how it's impacted me. And this is kind of off topic, but it's so important for food chain transparency and just knowing where your food came from. Otherwise it's just, yeah, you, you don't you don't have any connection to it and you're like, okay with throwing it out because you, you just don't know. Absolutely. And I, to be honest, I think that's totally on topic. I think that the less steps we have in the food chain, the less inefficiencies we have. So if I'm picking up directly from my farmer, uh, then, you know, the farmer inevitably will have some food that he's not able to sell or, you know, that, that will happen still. And I might have some food that, you know, I, I'm not able to eat. There, there might be some inefficiencies there, but there's only two steps rather than having it all the, there's probably 10 steps between all the different transportations. If my food comes from Mexico or Australia, then there's so many more steps there and opportunities for food loss and waste to happen on its way to me. Yeah, I think I saw something that like around 50% or 40% of the food waste comes from the whole entire distribution and uh, packaging and all. Editing Melania here. I was pretty close. According to a study done by IMC, commissioned by Alberta Agriculture and Forestry, the number related to food waste from consumers is 47%. The food processing phase is the second largest contributor at 20%. Now, back to the interview. So I just wanted to go into more what Leftovers does. Can you share any initiatives, programs, and what Leftovers actually is as a foundation? Absolutely. So the Leftovers Foundation was started in Calgary in 2012. It started out as a food rescue charity. So picking up food from retailers that might be bakeries, cafes, grocery stores, restaurants, and taking that food directly to service agencies where it can be used uh, to meet the needs of people who are struggling to access food. Our mission is to mobilize community to reduce food waste and increase food access. 
And now eight years later, almost nine years later, we have added on several other programs in addition to our, our food rescue initiative. We also have a program called Fresh Deliveries, which is a pay what you can hamper delivery program that started up a year ago um, as a result of COVID and is continuing on because we see the value and the need for it. We also have an upcycling project. So when we get donations that are too large or too obscure for our service agencies to use, then we partner with upcycling artisans or local creators to use those ingredients in their products. So that might be banana ice cream or rhubarb donuts or bread beer, beer made from leftover bread. So that's our new upcycling and... The last program that we're really hard launching this summer is um, our home harvest program. So that's a backyard fruit rescue initiative, um, as well as if people have gardens and that they can't make all use of all of the produce themselves, they can contact us and we can facilitate volunteers to rescue the food. That's really interesting. Um, and Leftovers is not the only organization that works in this food waste, food redirection landscape. Can you share any other organizations that are doing similar work as well? Yeah, the food bank is actually founded as the Edmonton Gleaners Association, uh, something like 30, 40 years ago. Uh, so they started out as somewhat of a food rescue organization, and they rescue four to six million pounds of food per year. So they are uh, the largest in Edmonton. And they do a fantastic job of the, the major grocery stores and the, the large distributors. And then there's us and there's another company called Second Harvest, who is out of Eastern Canada. They are based in Ontario and came into Alberta about a year ago. They're also operating the space uh, in this space kind of in between leftovers and the food bank. Then there's another program called Loop, which is directing otherwise wasted food to farmers. So farmers can sign up on Loop on behalf of or in the in the loop program and then they go to a grocery store uh, and pick up once a week or you know, whatever their schedule is and they take that food back home to their animals there's a company called food mesh that's out of bc that will be coming into edmonton in the next year many of the different service agencies will rescue food directly so for example cobs bread all of their locations donate all their leftover food at the end of every day. So they bake fresh and then any surplus they have, they donate at the end of the day. And they will often connect directly with the charities and the charities will go pick up at the end of the day to take that food back to their organization. So beyond the organizations focused specifically on rescuing food, there's also organizations that have a need for food and are rescuing food that is, is donated to them. Um, that also combats food waste. Yeah, there's so many different organizations. Even in Edmonton, I didn't know that there was so many. It's a thing, it's an issue that people get really passionate about. And I think it, our media has done a fairly decent job of highlighting food waste over the past five, 10 years and really bringing it into our awareness. And with technology coming into the picture, it's becoming much more feasible to facilitate food rescue. And uh, yeah, so there's a, a lot of different organizations and I wouldn't say it's becoming a competitive space. Like we still work really closely with these different organizations to find the best solutions. And uh, we're ultimately just all wanting the same thing. So we, we do work pretty collaboratively, 
However, there's not a need for more food rescue organizations. I think that um, we just need to continue um, supporting the ones that exist and uh, yeah, and, and reaching out to more and more potential food donors. What kind of gaps do you think are missing in this space? I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, that's something that I'm really curious about myself. And Leftovers started a, a webinar series called the Wasted Webinar back in January, or I think our first was in February. And that's, that's the intent of the, of the webinar series is to explore, you know, what is happening in Edmonton in food waste and what are the gaps? Where do we still have food going to waste? And I think that there are still organizations to contact that just need somebody to reach out to them and say, hey, do you have a solution for your food waste? And we're, we have two volunteers actively working for that for leftovers. And I know the food bank is constantly reaching out to people. I'm sure the other food, food rescue organizations are as well. They're just reaching out to restaurants, cafes, bakeries, grocery stores ongoing on an ongoing basis saying, hey, just wondering if you have a solution, would like to offer our services. And often the restaurant owners, it's a and the, the people in the food industry, it's a really competitive industry and they don't have a lot of time as managers to search out these solutions. So when they are contacted, they are often really grateful and say, hey, yeah, thanks for contacting us. What are the next steps? Um, nobody, nobody answers the phone and says like, no, I don't want your services. What are you doing? This is a waste of my time. They're all like, this is great. And sometimes they already have a solution. Sometimes they don't produce much food waste. Um, but they're always grateful to hear, um, hear from us and hear about, you know, food rescue initiatives. Mm -hmm. And now this is the segment where we'll listen to a portion of the Wasted webinar. Oh, fun. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of a perfect transition that you started talking about. I was like, ooh. <laughs> Now we have a clip from the Leftovers Wasted webinar with Thomason from the Edmonton Food Bank. Garnett asked Thomason, what does the food redirection landscape look like in Edmonton? What are we doing well? And what are some of the missing gaps? One of the first questions I'd love to explore with you is the, like the food landscape, food waste redirection landscape in Edmonton and who is doing what and what are we doing well as a city in terms of food waste reduction? I mean, obviously the food bank rescuing millions of pounds of food per year is a fantastic step. And there's other organizations that are also operating. Um, so uh, what, what are we doing well? And what are some gaps that you see that uh, Edmonton is missing with regards to that? Oh, that's a loaded question. So that's a lot of uh, questions, yeah. <laughs> definitely, um, even for us sitting down together, Garnet, that the food bank and leftovers working better together. That is key. I know we just had our first meetings with Zero Waste Edmonton recently from my side at Edmonton's food bank. So that is wonderful. We know that the grocery stores are doing the best that they can uh, with diverting food uh, surplus food products to us. And I know that farmers were getting on board with provincially with other farmers uh, through our food banks, Canada and Alberta food banks uh, to make sure we keep that product from landfills that is still edible for everyone. So I like to think that, you know, the work we're doing, we're like uh, tools in our toolbox that we have available that we're working towards that. Some of the biggest gaps I see though, is for us as individuals, 
and the education that we have to get out there and be able to get people to understand the biggest difference and the challenge we have, best before, expiration, packaged on, all those dates that mm-hmm. seem so confusing to everyone, including us on our end. So we have to really watch that. Mm-hmm. If we're able to get a handle on that and share that with everybody, maybe we'll have a different stance. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we've even had people say that they've thrown out product and it said best before MA and the date. It's like, wait, if it says best before the MA, it's actually meilleur avant. It's the French equivalent of best before. It's not May. So it's not way past that best before date. It is just how that's written. And even I've seen some of that. I have no idea what some of those dates are because it actually is a packaged on a date, but it's still fine. So Food Banks Canada says one to two years to three years on uh, canned goods. Realistically, close to seven years is fine with our canned goods. And we have to get closer to our food and maybe get more intimate with our food and take a look at those cans make sure that they're not bloated, not rusted. They're not, ha- they don't have those sharp dents. When you open your cans, take, if it makes a funny sizzling popping sound, eat it, you should eat it. Uh, maybe you should throw that one away. But if it doesn't, it should be good. is just after watching that do you have any other tips for individuals in managing food waste Hmm, at home there's there's several different solutions that uh they come to mind i'd say first and foremost like educating yourself uh beyond what i'm about to say is a fantastic way to go about it and uh there's Another food rescue organization, Second Harvest, has some great online educational material for individuals who want to reduce their waste at home. So that'd be a good place to start for anybody who really wants to dive in. Some tips that I use at home, the the first one that I would recommend to people would be meal planning. And if you plan out your meals for the next few days, the next few weeks, when you go to the grocery store, you only buy the food that you're going to use for those meals. Keep food waste in mind as you're grocery shopping as well, because if you buy a great big patch of uh, or pack of spinach and you only use a third of it, you have to keep that in mind as you're shopping, basically, and saying, okay, I'm buying this much spinach because I need this much spinach for this recipe or I'm buying this because it's on sale. So just because it's 50% off the second pack of oranges, that doesn't mean you should buy those oranges because if you're not going to eat them, then you're not saving any money. The way it's marketed to us, we have to be aware of. And the meal planning is, I believe uh, they've done research and that's like statistic, statistically the greatest contributor to reducing at-home food waste. Once it's in your home, there's various different ways you can make use of different parts of the uh, plant of the plant or the uh, of the food, and you want to make sure that you're you know educated on which parts of the food are edible. I know, for example, fennel has the the bulb, which people traditionally eat, but all of the leaves are also very edible. Uh, carrot tops are also edible. And I recently found a recipe for banana peel bacon, which I haven't tried yet. 
but I had never heard of banana peels being edible, but apparently you can eat them. So you can explore ways to make use of the entire plant uh, or animal. And then the other thing you want to do is if you can try to create your meals around what needs to be eaten. So if you have that spinach that's starting to get wilted, it's like, okay, this is beyond salad quality. It's not quite as crispy as I'd want to eat fresh in a salad, but maybe I can cook it into something, or maybe I can put that spinach in a smoothie, um, make a quiche out of it, uh, something like that. Um, and one of my favorite uh, food waste reduction recipes, or there's two. One is a stir fry. You can put anything in a stir fry and fry it up and put some tasty sauces on there. And it, it, it does things pretty well. You can hide things pretty well. And the other one that I actually just made a huge batch of the other night was, is veggie burgers. If you cook up the veggies and then put them in a blender, blend it all together, you want some veggies, some protein, something to stick it all together, being eggs, flaxseed, uh, breadcrumbs, and then a bunch of spices. And uh, that is a really tasty and really good way to make use of a lot. And then you can freeze those patties, stick them in the in the freezer and have them for a long time. So yeah, those are, those are some of the tips that I use at home. That sounds really good. Here's another clip from the Leftovers Wasted webinar. Garnett asked Thomason, what are some of the barriers that Edmonton Food Bank faces? I have a like a general question. We saw the mission of the food bank um, briefly. It's uh, the um, you know rescuing food and uh, feeding people. And what is what are some of the primary barriers the food bank faces to accomplishing that mission? Say if your goal is to reach a point where you no longer have to exist, um, what is the barrier to getting there? I don't think we'll ever get to the point where we don't need the food. Mm -hmm. There will always be poverty in some capacity, whether or not certain programs can roll up and change and close uh, from the individual hamper program. So maybe we get everybody food secure, but we will have a segment of our population that potentially has mental health challenges, substance abuse issues, other extremely dynamic aspects that another agency partner of ours would be working with and they would need food for that client. So whether or not we, uh, everything changes in the future, again, it would be nice to say, we don't need a food bank. We're good. All we need to do is that gleaning to make sure food doesn't go to landfills. That would be wonderful. I don't foresee that happening anytime soon. And I don't foresee that we will be completely zeroed out from people that need our help in the future. There will always be segments of our population that we have to support. And we're going to be here until the end. Until the end. <laughs> until the end. We're going to keep on going. Come on, Garnet. Come on. Positive thinking. That's all we can do right now. So we just listened to that clip. Do you have any comments? That's a, that's a juicy one. And uh, I say I'm still learning about food insecurity because my background is more in the food waste aspect. Food insecurity is really a complex field. And it's something that requires a lot of learning, a lot of years to become an expert in. So I'm still learning about that. 
And Tamison has definitely been operating in that realm longer than I have. However, that being said, I do have hopes for not reaching zero people in need, but really significantly reducing the number of people in, in need via universal basic income. And that's something we explored later in that webinar. And after thinking about it, what Tamison mentioned in the webinar is that when the COVID emergency response benefit came in, they did see a drop in their requests for hampers and their the needs of the population, but then it kind of leveled out. And I think long-term, what we would see with a universal basic income is people would stop dropping into the cycles of poverty and would be able to be lifted out sooner. So for example, myself being quite privileged and having a lot of supports, if I have, uh, if I break my leg or if I have some mental health crisis and I'm unable to work for six months, that's fine for me because I have the supports that I need to support myself through that and and then get back on board not everybody has those opportunities not everybody has the access to the services that i do and if you're already living on the edge and then you have something happen unpredictably in your life then you drop into the cycle of poverty and then and then it gets really messy really fast and that's where the addictions come from that's where long-term mental health crisis comes from and I think that if we have a universal basic income that can support people long term, then we will see less and less people dropping in. And when they do, they'll come out faster because as with people with more privileges, they will have the supports necessary to actually focus on their recovery and get back to contributing to society. In a sense, I, I agree with Tamison in that there will always be some people in need. I hope that will be minor, minor fraction of the needs that we currently see in our society. Uh, I think that we're working towards that. I, yeah, I hope that comes soon. Yeah. And I know the work that Leftovers and the food bank does really helps alleviate some of that stress that people have just having food on their table, which is a basic need. Yeah. We're like, we both recognize how important the work is that we do. And we also recognize that giving people free food isn't solving their food insecurity. It is putting a Band-Aid on it, um, you know, for, for as long as we give them free food. And it doesn't actually bring them out of poverty. And poverty is the, the challenge that we have to solve uh, if we're, like, looking at long-term widespread cause of food insecurity. And this brings me to my last question. For any of the listeners out there, how can they support leftovers? Funds are great. Uh, we certainly appreciate donations. In Edmonton, we're also starting to have a need for more volunteers. Uh, so when our volunteer team isn't able to cover a leftovers route, then I'll, I can step in in, you know, in the last case scenario. And I've covered about five routes over the past week. We do about 50 routes a week. So that's a relatively low percentage. But we are looking for more volunteers for leftovers in Edmonton. And another way that people can help out is when they're uh, ordering food from their local restaurant or you know, calling their local bakery to request something, it'd be great if they could just check in to see, hey, do you have a solution to food waste? And just make sure that the people in the food industry are aware of the solutions available and help us spread the word. Those are all 
really great things that people can do to help us out. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I think a lot of listeners will learn so much about food waste in Edmonton specifically. Is food waste a problem in Canada? According to a study on food waste done by IMC, commissioned by Alberta Agriculture and Forestry, Canada generates more municipal waste per capita annually than any of its peer countries in the OECD, which includes 37 member countries. Furthermore, they found that Alberta outranked all the other provinces and territories as the leader in food waste per capita. And that's it for this episode of That's Food. Today's episode was produced by me, Melania Antoshko. Thank you to Garnett Forge for speaking with me. Our music is by Doug Hoyer, and you can find all our episodes on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and on our website, thatsfood.transistor.fm. You can contact us at thatsfood at cgsr.com, and we are That's Food CGSR on Facebook and on Instagram. That's Food is produced at CGSR in Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. But is it food? That's food! That's food. food. <laughs> Again, I'm not counting down. I'm not counting down. There's too much.